Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. Father, we thank you for this evening, and uh, I pray that we would uh, be encouraged tonight. Uh, Father, that we would see maybe a little bit more of who you are, uh, that our lives would be changed. Father, that we would, Father, that we would come to you uh, in repentance and humility. Father, we need you so much, and uh, so often we forget that. Pray that you would uh, help us to see how much we need you. Father, that we would make you king of our lives each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, uh, I go on Facebook sometimes, (laughs) and uh, you know, oftentimes you see people from childhood, or you grew up going to camp with, or I don't know, somebody that you knew back in the day, and uh, you're kind of surprised that they're posting these anti-God things, because you knew them Uh, or thought them to be uh, all for Jesus. That you thought them to be the ones where Jesus was the king of their lives, and they were on the front lines. And you see this post, and you're like, what happened? Like, what happened in between when I knew you here and this post now? What happened? And I don't know if this will shed some light on it, but I think part, part of the issue is that they knew about God. They were taught the correct things, but they didn't believe that God is king. And I think we see this in uh, Nebuchadnezzar, right? We've, uh, we've learned a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar um, and a little bit about what he knows about God. In uh, chapter 2, verse, we're just going to do a little review here. Um, in chapter 2, verse 28, when Daniel reveals... Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's first dream, he says, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as as you lay in bed are these. So he knows, Daniel has told him that God is a revealer of mysteries. And again, um, in verse 36, Again, Daniel interprets the dream. He says, this was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and to whose hands he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them. You are the head of gold. 
the explanation of that. But what Daniel has just told him is that God is the one who gave it to Nebuchadnezzar. God has the authority to do that. Right? So Nebuchadnezzar has been told these things. He, he even acknowledges, uh, I believe in verse 47, King Nebuchadnezzar says, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings. To some degree, he realizes that God is Lord over him. But I don't think he fully, he doesn't fully get it. And, and I think one of the things Ben pointed out, he says, your God, Daniel's God. He doesn't say my God. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't taken the God of Daniel. He hasn't taken the, the, the one true God and trusted in him and, and submitted to him, right? And even in chapter 3 in, with the fiery furnace, right, he acknowledges in verse 26, Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. The Most High God. And in verse 28 and 29, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Again, he doesn't, he doesn't switch it to my God. It's the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of Daniel, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree and essentially I'll kill anybody who speaks against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he knows some, some of what, you know, he knows kind of who God is, he, he even acknowledges it, that God is king of kings, lord of kings, right? That he is able to deliver. But he has not made God the king in his life. And we kind of see this uh, coming into chapter 4. And uh, we're going to read this. Uh, you can follow along. It's kind of a fair, fair size, but I think Ben read chapter 3, so I'm going to go ahead and read chapter 4 with all of y'all. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me and they made known to me the interpretation of the dream. 
Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came in before me, he who is named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. I just want to point out something while we're going through here. He mentioned, I, I think Nebuchadnezzar has, a, again, kind of a skewed view of God here, that it's the spirit of the holy gods, not the spirit of the most high, the one true God. And I told him the dream, saying, O oh, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to the heavens. It was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field around found shade under it, and the birds of heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man, a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation, because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens live. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven, and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its root in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord and King, that you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will." 
And as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his, right, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the, at the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my Lord sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. May God bless the reading of his word. This is a king's testimony of God to the nations. Nebuchadnezzar seems to be the one who wrote most of this section, but at least compiled to send to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. And I don't think this just extended to his own kingdom, but was pushed outside of his kingdom as well that he would make God's greatness known. If God is king of the world and king of your life, one, you will praise him, and two, I think you will proclaim his name to the world. Now, that might look different in your lives. You might not be out on the street corner. You might not be a missionary in another country. It might be a coworker that you have a conversation with about God and you impart to them the truth about who God is. 
right? It might, it might be a random person if, uh, if you're more of, a, uh, of an evangelist, right? But when we know who God is and what God has done for us, I think we're excited about sharing that. Usually it's those, those embarrassing things in our lives, right? That we like to hide. We like to cover up. But I think that's the beautiful thing is when Jesus takes you and me who are sinners and, and brings us from this life of sin, right? And, brings, and, and changes our hearts and brings us into a life of righteousness, we can give praise to God and we can share that with others and let them know that God can change their lives too. That God can be king of your life too. And it's a good thing. So Nebuchadnezzar breaks out in this doxology. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion endures from generation to generation. So the rest of this letter, we see how Nebuchadnezzar gets to this point where he recognizes God as king of the world. That he is king of kings, that he is king of Nebuchadnezzar. That it's not Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom that is going to last forever. King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom is going to end. We already know that from his first dream. But God has a kingdom that will last forever. He gives him praise for that. I would say prior to this story that Nebuchadnezzar did not fully understand that God ruled over him and all nations. He did not fully understand that his kingdom was under the rule of God's kingdom and his position as king was controlled by the king of heaven. He did not worship God as the one true God. So I guess uh, my main point I put together doesn't feel quite as complete as I'd like it, but uh, we're going to go with it. God rules over you and your kingdom. Disregard and ignorance of the true king will lead to pride and your judgment, an accurate knowledge of the true king should bring you to humility, repentance, and worship of him. So we see Nebuchadnezzar, he's, he's, living, he's living the good life. He's at ease in his house. He's prospering in his palace. And uh, in similar fashion to the last dream he had, uh, it didn't sit well with him. In fact, it says here that he was afraid. And also in like fashion, instead of going to the one who can interpret dreams or going, uh, I guess in his case, possibly to Daniel, who, or maybe he should have just gone straight to God. But that's not what he was thinking, obviously. He goes to his magicians and enchanters and the Chaldeans and the astrologers. And different from this time, he actually tells them the dream and doesn't threaten death, 
upon them if they can't, if they can't interpret it, or at least it doesn't say that. Um, but even after he told them the dream, they were still unable to interpret it. So Daniel at last comes before the king. And uh, I just want to reference here that Nebuchadnezzar is writing this section. He says, at last, Daniel came in before me. He uses the Hebrew name, right? God is my judge, is what Daniel means. At last, Daniel came in before me. He who is named Belteshazzar after the name of my God. So Nebuchadnezzar tells him the dream. We kind of know it. There's a huge tree. It reaches to the heavens. It's great. It's strong. It grew even stronger and greater. It can be seen from the ends of the earth. It was a beautiful tree. It produced shade. It produced fruit. It produced shelter for birds and animals. And then a watcher, a holy one, orders the tree to be chopped down, scatters the branches. It would be destroyed, essentially, but the stump left with the roots in the ground. It would be bound, bound with a band of iron and bronze. The beasts and um, its portion would be with the beasts in the grass. And then it kind of switches to the tense of his, a man. His mind will be like that of an animal and not a man's. This sentence is by decree of the holy ones. For what reason? I think there's one of the probably three key verses that come up that are repeated here. To the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. It almost makes you think that Nebuchadnezzar didn't need somebody to interpret this dream. That Nebuchadnezzar maybe should have realized that <laughs> the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. But he, he, doesn't, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't, maybe he doesn't believe it. And nothing will change until he does. Do you believe that God is king of heaven and that he rules over the kingdoms of men? Do you believe that he rules over you? Over your kingdom? And if you do, how, how does that change your life? How does that in, inform the decisions you make? How does that, I don't know, how does that change your relationship with God? How do we submit our kingdom to him? And what does that look like? I think we'll, we'll see a little bit of that later here. Some questions to ponder. So as Daniel, Daniel's heard the message and he 
is dismayed. He's alarmed. I think he's grown to, he's grown toward the king. I think he's grown to love the king. And he says, my Lord, may the, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. This, <laughs> he doesn't quite say this, but this judgment that is for you, I wish it on your enemies. Almost seems interesting coming from a captive in, in Babylon. So Daniel interprets the dream, and we know the tree is you, Nebuchadnezzar. You have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens. And maybe this, uh, this brings into mind maybe Babylon, where they built the tower to reach to the heavens, that they would keep the people together in rebellion against God, because God had told them to multiply upon the earth. And instead, they wanted to stay in one place and rule over themselves. Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. This decree is from God, the Most High. Till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. You will be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. But there is, at the end of this, there is a little bit of hope, right? He says, you will receive your kingdom back from the time that you know that heaven rules. But this is a judgment, right? This is a judgment for Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel, after, after interpreting the dream, respectfully calls Nebuchadnezzar to repent, right? He says, Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed that there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. God is able to humble each and every one of us. Just because you are a child of God does not mean that God will not humble you. And I know that there are areas in our lives, and as I was going through this, I kind of hits home. There are like areas in my life that I have not, like that God is king. If God is king in my life, this should be different, right? If God is king in my life, this should be what is more important. If God is king in my life, for me, one of those things is, uh, one of the things I've been struggling a lot with lately is, is being in the word. And I'm 
and I and I ask God, I want to be hungry for your word. And if God is king in my life, I think I would I will seek to be in his word. Um, and and when I see more of who God is because I'm in his word, I think I'm gonna be wanting to read that more, searching for who God is, becoming hungry for more of who God is, right? Because like those people I talked about before, I think they lost sight of who God is. They didn't let God become king over them. They didn't let God change their lives. In Nebuchadnezzar's case, he was, a, he was a prideful man. He was a king. He was a ruler. And Daniel calls him to cut off his sin, show mercy to the oppressed. Practice righteousness. If Jesus is king of your life, We will repent of our sins and our wicked ways, and we will seek righteousness. It's not just a stopping sin and living, living kind of how you were before minus the sin. It's cutting off the sin and pursuing righteousness. And that is only found when we are seeking God. We serve a righteous and merciful God. Do you follow your king's example? If God is not your king, you are living life for yourself, one of pride, and you are taking the place of God in your own life. But God is your judge. Whether you believe it now or not, but there is a call here to repent. Come to the merciful king. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your pride. And practice righteousness. So we come to Nebuchadnezzar. He has... It's been 12 months. 12 months has passed. Nothing's happened. He hasn't... Um, nothing's bad happened to him. He hasn't turned into a beast, right? He's not eating grass like cows. Twelve months has passed, and I would say that he listened to Daniel's advice. That he repented. That he showed mercy to the oppressed. That he practiced righteousness and and God lengthened his prosperity by 12 months he's walking on 
the roof of the royal palace of Babylon and then king. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? He had again forgotten who the king truly is. He had forgotten in his, and he became prideful. Instead of giving God the praise and saying, God, you have given me this great kingdom because you are great. He says, I have made this kingdom for my majesty. Taking the praise and the glory that rightfully belongs to the true king. While these words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. Pride in ourselves, I think, causes us to lose sight of the one in whom we should boast, our great king. I think most people could finish uh, maybe a couple of the following verses. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Meh, we're good. <laughs> uh, how about God resists the, but gives grace to the, right? Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Let us not become so prideful that we would turn away from the true king, that we would humble ourselves and come to him. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? Nebuchadnezzar praises God that his kingdom is eternal that God does according to his own will, and that no one has the power to stop God or has the authority to question what he does. We kind of already talked about, if we know who God is, we will give him praise. We will extol him and honor him. Um, praise him for his kingdom being eternal. I, I wanted to turn 
to Ephesians chapter 1, going off that God does according to his own will. We went through Ephesians recently. Um, and I just want to remind us of the will of God. There it is. Pages are sticking together here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. That God would that God's will would give us these spiritual blessings to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things in earth. God does according to his will. Amen. Amen. And you and I are a part of what God is doing, that he is bringing, he is adopting, He is choosing people for him. He is adopting people into his family. He is he has caused he has, he has made a way of forgiveness of our trespasses through through redemption, through the cross, right? Through his blood. And with that, he offers, um, in all of that, like he, he also offers us eternal life. He offers to bring us in to his eternal kingdom. King Nebuchadnezzar realizes who God is. And his response is to praise and extol and honor God because God's works are right and just and he is able to humble the proud. God rules over you and your kingdom. Ignorance of the true king will lead to pride and your judgment. An accurate knowledge of the true king should bring you to humility, repentance, and worship of him. I've called both the believer and the unbeliever here to repent, to submit to the true king, to give praise and honor to the king of heaven, and live a life that that would show that, right? That shows 
that we are submitted to the King of Heaven. But maybe when we read this story, or I don't read it like this, but I was thinking about it, like if maybe if an unbeliever read this story, they might see God as just a bully who, you know, is like, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to show you how powerful I am. You're my little pawn. I'm going to, I'm going to use you to show the world. But if we take this story by itself, I think we miss, we miss a bigger picture. That unlike King Nebuchadnezzar, who, who, who did not humble himself, the King of Heaven humbled himself. Philippians 2, 5 through 10. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God, I would say God, God isn't the bully, right? I think he's the kid who jumps in in the movie and stands up for the kid who's on the ground and might take the beating for that kid. He, he realized that because of our sin, we can do nothing to save ourselves. And so Jesus, in, back in, he became lowly. In verse 17 in Daniel 4, says that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. Jesus became the lowliest of men for you and for me. And he is alive and reigning now. And you and I we can take comfort in the fact that after we die, after this world is no more, 
that we will be reigning with him for eternity. Why? Because his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion is forever. He brings us into that. God is king. Our God is great. He is just. He is righteous. He is eternal. And his kingdom is forever. Do you believe this? Let it change your life. 